Good morning. So good to see everyone here today. I had, uh, woke up with a bit of a cold. I have to apologize to Christina. I was standing right behind her and she had to, I didn't sing loud enough. I don't think you heard, but most of the day it was like, oh, 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 oh. I can't, usually I could sing, but today everything was way out of, out of tune, so. I want to thank Russ for filling in for me last week. Uh, the last month has been very busy uh, for me. I've had a lot of things going on uh, up at the school, trying to get the year over with. It's also the busiest time of the track season. Uh, you know, two nights a week we're at the track meet. Those go to you know eight nine o'clock every night. Just was it was about where I just couldn't get everything done, and I was like, oh please. You know, so I asked Mark. I, I keep. Well, he's not in here, of course. He ran off somewhere. But I'm always bugging him. to. He needs to get up here and give it a shot and preach a little bit. And he, well, he gets a little worried about that, I think. So he asked Russ. And Russ, thank you for uh, coming in, you know, the, brought in the old left-hander to help help me out last week. So anyways, but I appreciate that a lot. And uh, so, so Memorial Day. Memorial Day, what a weekend. Uh, you know, you talk to kids and you talk to different people and, and people will often talk about, oh, Memorial Day, it's the beginning of summer. Or, wow, it's barbecue time. Let's get the barbecues out and, or we're going up to the big parade in the great uh, metropolis of Terry Hutt and we're going to, you know, thousands, of, well, dozens of people will, you know, come through the thing. And, you know. But Memorial Day is something that's, you know, it is kind of unique to our nation. Other nations around the world have similar, you know, ho holidays where, you know, they remember what, what had happened in different wars. But Memorial Day for us uh, in this country began just after the Civil War. Uh, of course, the Civil War uh, fought in 1861 to 65. Around 1868, uh, veterans from the... Uh, from the north, by that time called the Grand Army of the Republic, they begin to hold these ceremonies and, and things. And uh, there were many concerned women who decided to decorate the graves of those who had bravely given their lives in that destructive civil conflict between the states. And because of that, for a long time, Memorial Day was also known as Decoration Day. The idea that you would go to the the tomb of these soldiers or to the, the cemeteries where these soldiers were, and you would decorate the graves and remember these people uh, because of the sacrifice that they had, had given. And, you know, the day is intended to, for us, uh, you know, stir us to, uh, uh, to be grateful, to, re to remember those who have given themselves, shed their blood, laid down their lives in military battle for the cause of freedom, in our land, and you know, for people who have served, and for people who uh, uh, who, who currently serve, you know, Memorial Day is you know it's a little bit more to them, I think, than just a just a slight remembrance. It's more than a holiday. Uh, they are acutely aware of the uh, the sacrifice that these people you know, have to make, because if it's not for these brave men and women, literally many of us, we would not be in here today worshiping freely 
as, as we have. Now, you could make an argument looking at some of the wars we've been involved in. Well, you know, it didn't really affect things back here, but, you know, World War II was one of those wars where if we would have lost, uh, things definitely would have been different here. Historically, it's a fact. Hitler had ideas for North America. You and I would be slave labor. And uh, you know, we would not have rights and, and privileges that, that we enjoy today. So quite literally, a lot of men and women put their lives on the line so that we could have the rights and the privileges that we have today. I have a, a veteran friend. Uh, he's, he's, he's much older than I am, but he, he had served in the Marines for a long time. To my knowledge, he was never in combat, but... Uh, he is very, very uh, sensitive to the way the flag is treated, uh, the respectfulness to the flag, uh, the NFL thing. He just go ballistic over that, throwing a fit, you know, the whole thing. And I like to get on there and sometimes on Facebook, I'll play the devil's advocate with him and mess with him a little bit because we like to do that to each other. But, uh, but there's a man who, who understands what it is to, to serve and, and what it means to see people who he knew and loved and cared about you know, suddenly be gone because for whatever reason they, they were killed in battle or died during their service. And so we, we have this holiday as a memorial day. You know, a memorial is simply something to help us to, to remember, to remember these, these people. And I think uh, as Christians, if, uh, if you turn to John chapter 15, I want to look at a few verses here. When you talk about Memorial Day, you know, it's kind of like uh, Easter or Christmas. You've only got so much you can work with. And how many times can you tell the same story over again and try to make it fresh and make it, make it alive? But John chapter 15, as I was, was thinking about this, um, Jesus is with his disciples, and for some time here in John, he had been uh, talking to them, he was trying to comfort them, he was trying to prepare them for what was going to happen. Uh, they were going up to Jerusalem, where he would be betrayed, and then you know, the events of, of, of the, uh, the Passion Week would, would take place, he would then be crucified. And he talked about how you know, times are going to get tough. You need to, to hang in there together. Uh, keep in mind, you know, uh, you know, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. My father's the, the vine dresser. The idea of, look, if you're grafted into the vine and you're, and you're producing, you're, you're good. You're going to be fine. You're part of the vine. And nobody's going to take that away from you. And he goes on and he talks to them about how they should treat one another. You know, the days are coming, guys, when I'm not going to be here anymore. How are you going to treat one another when I'm not here? And I think he gives us a little insight into what it means to, to really to give your life for a cause, for a purpose. John chapter 15, verse 13. Well, we'll actually, let's start at verse 12. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
So Jesus is making a wonderful point here. The idea that you cannot demonstrate love any greater than somebody giving up their life for their friend, for somebody whom, whom they love. And of course, we know as Christians, Jesus was, because of the text, and we know what happened, he was sort of pointing to them, look, I am going up to, to Jerusalem. We're all here. Some things are going to happen. You're my friends. I love you. I'm going to give my life up for you. That's what love is. That's what love uh, is all about. Love is something you do for somebody else. I had a student in class one time. His parents were getting divorced. He was very upset about this. and He was, just, he was a really great athlete, good student, good kid, but he was really bothered by the fact of, of what was going on. And, and both of his parents treated him very nicely. You know, they were trying to make the best of a bad situation. And he kept talking about, you know, this idea of, you know, why do people even bother getting married? And they always break up and stuff, and it's never good, and, you know, love this, love that. And I tried to explain to him, that, you know, the idea of love and how sometimes in our, uh, our community, our society, our culture, we use love in a lot of different ways. But we, we seem to only have one word for it. And you've heard me mention this before. You know, I love pizza. And I love football. And I love my wife. Hopefully that's a different kind of love, you know, between pizza and my wife. But, but you know. But the kind of love Jesus is talking about here is the, uh, the what I believe to be, in the Greek, would be agape, or, or the kind of love about serving other people. And so when I talked to this kid, I said, you know, love is, is about serving one another. It's not warm, fuzzy feelings. And he says, that's what my, my parents don't understand. They, they just don't feel that love anymore. They don't feel a connection. They just don't have those feelings. And I talked to him about love is, is it's beyond those feelings. Love is something that you do for somebody else. It's an action. It's something you do to another person because you love them. You care about them, so you want to serve them. I had a, uh, who was that? I forget who it was. I had a friend here at church. This was years and years ago when Neola and I were still dating, but I think we were engaged. And he goes, you know what real love is, John? And I'm like, oh, I think it was George Rye. George Rye, some of you might remember George. He goes, Real love is, it's not, you know, roses and chocolates and stuff. Real love is cleaning up somebody's barf in the middle of the night when they can't do it themselves. Now that's love, baby. You know, and I'm like, thanks, George. That's what agape love is. It's doing something. I don't want to do this. Let me, let me love on you. Jesus is talking here, greater love has no one than one laid down his life for his friends. This is an action, something you do for somebody else. This is putting somebody else ahead of you. And in this, the demonstration that laying down your life, how could you possibly do any better than that? Freedom has a price. There was a, a Christian by the name of Cleve McClary. 
not McCleary, not related to McCleary, but McClary. And you may have seen him on TV. He's a guy, you wouldn't, if you saw him once, you wouldn't forget him because he was horribly disfigured in the Vietnam War. And there was a patch where his left eye used to be, so he wore a patch. He had an artificial limb from his arm uh, that was really a hook. They put a hook on there. I think probably by now they probably have some sort of other prosthesis on there. But the time I saw him, he had a hook on there. And he had numerous surgeries to repair his face. Uh, uh, at 26 years of age, Cleve McClary left his coaching career to enlist in the U.S. Marine Corps while leading the, his... Uh, 19th Recon Unit through the jungles of Vietnam, Cleve and 12 of his men were attacked. Two gave their lives and four others were severely wounded. And McCleary was one of these. Uh, it's believed he was a guy who, I don't if he jumped on a grenade or he did something. He put himself in harm's way and he took the blast so his other fellow soldiers wouldn't have to and it blew him up. And he was lucky that he was able to live through that. And he was miraculously airlifted out of there by helicopter in the Vietnam War. Of course, helicopters would, would come in, drop people off, as well as take people off the battlefield, and were able to get him to a, a field hospital. One of his men, in thinking about McCleary, said, you know what, Lieutenant McCleary, in this world of give and take, there are all too few of us who are willing to give what it takes. What a wonderful message to remember somebody, a memorial to somebody. That in a world where it's all about me and what I want, to have people who are willing to give up their life, their safety for somebody else. Those people are few and far between. Cleve McCleary and others like him are a reminder that freedom has a high price. And it's always something that seems to have been bought with blood. On the 4th of July, 1776, the day the Declaration of Independence was signed, Adams said in an address before the, uh, the Continental Congress, John Adams, live or die, sink or swim, survive or perish, I am committed to this Declaration of Independence, I am committed, and if God wills it, I am ready to die that this nation may be free. Ben Franklin chimed in, you know, we all have to hang together in this, gentlemen, or we'll all certainly hang separately. And they understood when they put that document down and signed it. Uh, we're signing our death certificate here, guys, if, if this doesn't work out. Just make sure you understand that when you, when you write your name on there. Those who have shed their blood across the world on many battlefronts, you know, they cry out to us today, remember that your freedom costs. It costs the blood of, of people who are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice that you can live freely. It's often said you can't put a price on a human life. You can't. But on the other hand, we determine the value to us of the price paid by others for our freedom. You look at the Vietnam War Memorial. Have any of you ever been in Washington? How many of you have visited the wall? About half of us have seen the wall. 
and all those names. We had a, a student group that went there one time, and uh, we had a, a student, it was actually her uncle, his name was on the wall, and she wanted to make a, a, a rubbing. You take paper there, and you can rub the, you know, the paper on the wall, and make a, you can see their name and all that. And we got in the catalogs, and we looked, and we looked, and we were running up and down the wall trying to find it. You know, we finally found it. A guy by the name of Greaser was his last name. And, uh, you know, she got to make a, a rubbing of that. And, and I remember her looking at that and sort of thinking about that, you know, here's a guy that she never knew whose name, you know, from little old Christiansburg, Ohio, you know, and then there's his name right there on the wall in Washington, D.C. And it all kind of became very real to her. We look at that and we determine, you know, did these people die in vain? I don't think so. Now, many of them died, unfortunately, carrying out orders, doing things, maybe not specifically putting themselves into harm's way. But freedom comes with a responsibility. Freedom is not anarchy. Freedom is not the idea that you can do whatever you want, whenever I want. You know, kids often uh, at school, when they get in trouble, and will search their locker or something, you can't, you can't search my locker. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. One, you're not an adult. Two, you're a student. Three, that locker belongs to the Board of Education, and blah, 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 blah. I keep going right on down the list. Freedom doesn't mean you can say whatever you want, whenever you want. You'll get kids will do that sometimes. I got my, I got my First Amendment rights. <laughs> you don't have no rights to say you can't do that. There's a limit to freedom. Freedom is not anarchy. It is not you can do whatever you want. Freedom brings, it with, brings with it the idea of responsibility. You want to enjoy freedom. There are responsibilities that you have to you know, abide by on your own part that you need to fulfill. There are responsibilities to being a citizen. God love her, my wife makes sure that she votes every time, knowing that every time she's going to get called to jury duty. Almost every time you get caught, you know, always ends up. But that's a, that's a responsibility you have. My mom won't vote because she's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to get called to jury duty. I'm like, but you got to vote, mom. I don't want to go to jury duty. <laughs> oh, you have a responsibility. Freedom brings with it a responsibility. One of my favorite movies when I was younger and I haven't seen it for a long time. Uh, it's a film called Saving Private Ryan. Some of you may have seen that film. And it's a very realistic depiction of what you would see on the battlefield. And I've talked to some veterans who said, yeah, it was, it's pretty, uh, pretty close to about what you would expect. The only difference is it's a lot louder and you, you don't capture the smells. You don't get the smells in the in the movie house, and you can always uh, in the movie house. The director can yell "cut," and everybody stops, and it's all good. You know, you, when you're in battle, you can't yell "stop," "cut," oh, "hold on now." But there's a part in that film that that very few movies really move me. I like to I like to watch movies, and for 
just for entertainment. They don't really, there's nothing too edifying about films today, but there was a scene in that film at, towards the end of the movie, it was the end of the movie, and we come to find out who Private Ryan was and sort of revealed at the end, and he was this old man standing uh, looking at a, uh, at a headstone. And the whole story had been how these men had gone to save him, and I think most of them died trying to save that one person. And he stood there, and he looked at the headstone, and he said, you know, all my life I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to raise a good family. I've worked hard. I, I hope that was enough. I hope that that, in your eyes was enough because there's no way you could ever pay back somebody who who's died for you and he thought about that and you know we have a responsibility to be grateful a responsibility to be involved a responsibility to remember those who've gone on before us John 15 is is Jesus reminding us that Jesus is about to lay down his life for his friends. And the Bible makes it clear that we're never totally free until Christ comes into your life. The Bible says you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. You know, what is the truth? Well, the truth is that all of us deserve punishment. All of us are sinners. But because Jesus loved us enough that he gave his life for us on our behalf. He says, you're my friends. I will lay down my life for you so that you can have eternal life. So that your sins can be forgiven. Let me save you. There's a big grenade there called sin. Let me jump on it for you. And he took that for us. Therefore, as Christians, we have a responsibility to remember that sacrifice, to remember and to obey. Jesus later, later uh, would, would talk about um, how he and his father, they love one another. And Jesus then said, because I've obeyed him. The idea of love, including the idea of service and being obedient to God. I mean, Jesus, he talked about that. And for us, it's the same. To simply say, oh, Jesus died for our sins. Wow. Isn't that great? There's more to it than that. There's a responsibility then on our part to remember that sacrifice. To remember that he willingly took upon himself the sins that was ours. To take it for us. I think about American soldiers who have died for us over the years, and there's, I want to say, 1.2 million of them so far, I think, have died in service. Um, probably more than that if you include the Civil War. Sometimes, you know, do you include the South? Do you not? You know, you, I, people were dying for, for one another. It's amazing how many people have, you know, Paid the price for us. And as Christians, I've often said that as Christians, we have it one better than the rest of the world. The rest of the world, those who do not believe, all they can look forward to is say, oh, wow, look at that soldier. He died for somebody. Isn't that neat? 
But to a Christian, we can look at that and say, yeah, that soldier died. That is an example of what our Savior did for us. Jesus, by his own words, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. He goes on a little bit later, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Now, he was talking to his disciples there, of course. But then he gives them a commandment. One of the few times Jesus ever says, this I command you. Verse 17, that you love one another. And the implication in that is not only that you love and have warm fuzzies for one another, but that you serve one another. And that you have the the willingness, if it came to it, to give up your life for your friend. To do something in the name of God, in obedience to God, because you love them. You care about them. Jesus is the perfect example of that. So today as we, uh, we remember Memorial Day, one of the greatest examples that I can think of that kind of supersedes all different faiths, and you probably have heard this, there was a, uh, there was a, a ship, I think it was a destroyer, I'm not sure, in World War I, that it was hit by a torpedo. And uh, hit it right in the middle of the ship, and it was taken on water, and it was sinking fast. And there was 11, 1,200 people on board that ship, and you have to get off the ship and then get away from the ship because as it starts to go down, I mean, it sucks the water. And if you're near the ship, you'll get sucked down with it. And there were people running and grabbing life jackets and jumping. And there were these four chaplains who were on the ship helping people, directing people. You need to run down there. Go over there. Uh, You need a life raft. Here's a a life jacket. Catch the boat over there. Let's go. Let's go. And people uh, would run up to him and say, uh, there was a a Catholic priest. There was a, a fellow from Columbus, Ohio, who was a member of the Reformed Church, so he would be a Protestant. There was a Methodist, and there was a Jewish rabbi, the four chaplains. And together, they all ran around handing out stuff, directing traffic. Uh, this one guy, uh, supposedly he came back down into the cabin area, was going to run back to his room, and... Uh, the father said, what are you doing, my son? He goes, i got to go get my gloves. We're going into the ocean. It's going to be cold. He says, here, take my gloves. You don't have time to go get your, get your gloves. Oh, okay. And he runs off. and Those chaplains had already determined in their mind that they were going down with the ship. They were going to do whatever they could to serve and to help save as many lives as they could. They weren't worried about who had the right theology. They weren't worried about, you know, who's, uh, who's going to go to the rapture, who's going to the kingdom, are you going to heaven, are you going, or what, what? No, it was about greater love has no one than somebody who gives up his life for his friends. What can I do to serve these people? These are men of great faith. 
Each of them in their own way believed their eternal destiny was secure. And so to give up their life in the service of somebody was not a, uh, uh, something that they feared. It's something that they willingly wanted to do. And they did that. There was a, a letter found where a man talked about the last time that they saw those chaplains. As the ship went down, they were uh, all in the same area, just singing a song, some hymn or something, and as the ship went down, they just disappeared with it, and that was that. What a graphic example of what it means to give your life in service and in love to somebody else. And as Christians, we can look to our Lord, our Savior, for the greatest example of that. Memorial Day ought to be another reminder to Christians of the price that Jesus paid for all of us. And that each of us have a responsibility, not only to, to love Him, but to love one another. Let us pray. Father in Heaven, I thank You for this, this, uh, this day, this holiday. I thank You for the many blessings that You have given to this country as a culture, as a people. And I thank you, Lord, for the ultimate gift through your Son, Jesus, who was willing to die for each of us and to give his life as an example of what it means to, to lay down your life for your friends and to love one another. Father, help us to remember the commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples so long ago, that we love one another. We love you today in the name of Jesus. Amen.